Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christoginia Internet Radio. Today is Friday, March 3rd, 2017. Praise Yahweh, the God of Israel, and certainly not of the Jews, and thank you for listening. In part because of our recent appearance on Radio in New Orleans, lately we have been saying a lot about David Duke, or as I would prefer to call him, Daisy Duke. In reality, Duke is practically irrelevant, except that his career as a shill has been maintained on Stormfront for years, and is now propped up by the Daily Stormer. And unfortunately, too many of our friends and listeners are readers of both Stormfront and the Daily Stormer. Don Black and David Duke have already shared wives, and it is apparent that Andrew Anglin wants in on the action. There are much better alternatives for Christian nationalist forums and nationalist news on the Internet. We have several disputes with David Duke. For instance, out of one side of his mouth, he basically agrees with the Jews that the protocols of the learned elders of Zion are a forgery. We have him on tape saying that very thing. It's right on YouTube. And out of the other side of his mouth, he attempts to raise funds by selling a book titled The Illustrated Protocols of Zeon, as if they would be relevant at all if they were a forgery. But one thing which we have long asserted makes David Duke a shill for world Jewry is this, that he insists that the Jews are protagonists, the protagonists of the Old Testament. He insists that they are both the Hebrews and the Israelites, as they claim. This is not only untrue, but it is a dangerous lie, because allowing them this claim allows them to continue to thrive in the deception that they are the recipients of the blessings of Abraham. So as long as scores of millions of mainstream Christians believe that this is true, as they do today, there is no turning tables around. These Christians, these scores of millions of Christians will continue to bless the Jews. They will be stuck forever in a dichotomy between two devils, the Jews themselves, and their image of a God who could possibly bless such a wicked people in such a manner so that they could never be criticized for their wickedness. Of course, identity Christians know the truth, that the Jews are the antagonists, the Edomites and Canaanites of the Old Testament, and infiltrators and subverters of Judea from the 6th, century B.C., and then especially in the 2nd and 1st centuries B.C. This story is manifest in the prophets Ezekiel and Malachi, in the New Testament writings of John and Paul, in the geography of Strabo of Cappadocia, and it is chronicled in the histories of Josephus. One doesn't even have to read all of those books to begin to see the truth of this history because it is even admitted on the Wikipedia pages for Judea and Edomia. And also in the articles such as the article for Herod Archelaus. 
We have on many occasions proven from ancient histories and scripture that the modern Jews are Edomites and that the apostles identified them as such. But here, because we are dealing with dummies, David Duke and Andrew Anglin, because we are dealing with dummies, we will quote a source tailored for dummies. We despise Wikipedia. We cite it once in a while. But we despise Wikipedia. It is not the place to do any real research. But not everything Wikipedia says is a lie. And actually, many of their lies are in what they omit, or in how they interpret the data, and are not often in the facts themselves, but in misrepresentations of the facts. So, quoting the Wikipedia article on Edom, we read under the heading archaeology, the subheading for the article on Edom, after the conquest of Judah by the Babylonians, which, I mind you, is very much recorded in ancient inscriptions, after the conquest of Judah by the Babylonians, Edomites settled in the region of Hebron. They prospered in this new country, called by the Greeks and Romans Edumia, or Edumea, for more than four centuries. Strabo, writing around the time of Jesus, he died in 25 AD, held that the Edumians, whom he identified as of Nabataean origin, because the Nabataean Arabs were dwelling in the ancient land of Edom to the south, the Edumians constituted the majority of the population of western Judea, where they commingled with the Judeans and adopted their customs. Now, not only do we know that this is true, but we ourselves have illustrated it on many occasions from original source material and original archaeological inscriptions. Then, further on in the same article, under the heading Classical Edumia, we read of the Edomites that Judas Maccabeus, who was a, a Levitical Israelite priest in Jerusalem, Judas Maccabeus conquered their territory for a time around 163 BC. They were again subdued by John Hyrcanus, circa 125 BC, who forcibly converted them, among others, to Judaism, and incorporated them into the Jewish nation, which was at that time not really Jewish, it was Judah, and there's a difference. The Jewish nation is the mixed-race nation which resulted from this. Despite the opposition of the Pharisees, the Pharisees were originally separatists, that's what the name means. Antipater, the Edomian, the progenitor of the Herodian dynasty, along with Judean progenitors that ruled Judea after the Roman conquest, was of mixed Edomite-Judean origin. And we have often taught this, but in much greater detail, from original sources in our own podcasts and writings. This was no small event. There were actually three dozen, perhaps, towns and cities which were conquered by the Maccabees. 
And all of those people living in those three dozen towns and cities became what were later known as Jews. In the Roman period, it was Judea. Judea was a political district. It was not a nation properly. Everybody who lived in it eventually became known as Jews. Whether they were Israelites or not, and by this time, most of them were not Israelites, which we have also explained in great detail from original sources in our own writings and podcasts. The only thing Wikipedia got wrong here that we could disagree with is that Antipater was a full Edomite, not a part Edomite, according to Flavius Josephus. But while Wikipedia has nearly all of the facts in this matter, they fall short where they do they do not they fall short where they do not assess the implications in relation to today's so called Jews if they're not Israelites, if they're mixed race Edomites and Canaanites, which can be proven, then they're not the chosen people. Christ himself had said they are not real. Jews, they are not Jews, or Judah, or Judeans, which is the Greek word that he must have used, because the word Jew didn't really exist. Christ himself had said that they are not true Judahites, or Judeans, but that they lie, being of the synagogue of Satan. We would have expected Duke to be able to put this simple picture together, and he continually refuses to do so. Because he has an agenda. He ignores the real history. Further on, in the Wikipedia article on Esau, while not all of the implications are given, it is even admitted that Esau's wives grieved his parents. There, in the Wikipedia article, it says, Genesis chapter 26, verses 34 and 35, describes Esau's marriage at the age of 40 to two Canaanite women. Judith, the daughter of Biri the Hittite, and Basimath, the daughter of Elon the Hittite. This arrangement grieved his parents. We will soon see that even Wikipedia's knowledge of the Hebrew Bible is much deeper than that of David Duke. Here we are going to repeat an exchange in the comments section from the Daily Stormer BBS or Forum where the topic was David Duke's bragging about the efficacy of a book which he wrote nearly 20 years ago. There is a screenshot of the page stored at Christagenia, but it's imperfect since the board would not let us get the whole page at once, and we had to cobble together two halves. I'm sure the, the, the comments section will be there for a long time. Duke has been plagiarizing and promoting the same book, My Awakening, ever since he wrote it. We would not recommend Duke's book to anyone. If white Christians or white nationalists really want a book of awakening, they should carefully read the Bible and then just as carefully read Adolf Hitler's Mein Kampf. That's a real book of awakening. Here we are going to reproduce only two comments in an exchange between Someone who goes by the name of Andy Patton, which he had with David Duke. 
Patton has developed a version of our own frequent argument in regard to Duke's estimation of the Old Testament. The setting is the Forum at the Daily Stormer, where language is often peppered with slang, grammar is typically deficient, and the typographical errors abound, which is characteristic of such forum exchanges, so we are not going to be too overly critical of the composition, but only care about the substance. Andy Patton's remarks are split into two consecutive comments. And let me say that when David Duke gives his response, and and this statement isn't in my original notes, this is sort of off the cuff, but when David Duke gave his original response, he responded from multiple viewpoints to denigrate Christian identity, or to try to prove it wrong, and he responded in the area of scripture and in a talk about the races of Europe and genetics. And here this evening, we're going to tear his response apart from all of the angles from which he responded. He has this authoritative claim to um, understand the genetics of Europe, and we're going to show that David Duke is basically a fool that doesn't know a damn thing about the genetics of Europe. Basically, we're going to show that this evening. We're also going to show that he has an extremely superficial knowledge of Scripture and can't even interpret a simple, a, a simple story in the way that it certainly should be interpreted, in the way that even later authors of the Bible interpreted it. So here we are going to give Andy Patton's remarks, which are split into two consecutive comments, and then we will give David Duke's remarks a piece at a time and comment on it at length. Andy Patton said, I support David Duke and promote his books and website. But despite many letters and explanations from many Christian identity scholars throughout 30 years... Why does he continue to ignore them all and join with the naive, gullible Judeo-Christians who don't study history or their Bibles and promote the biggest two Jew lies in 2300 years, that the Jews are the people of the Old Testament, or God's chosen, and that Arian, he puts Arian in quotes, in, in, I'm sorry, in parentheses, and that Jesus Christ was a feckin' antichrist, satanic, false accusing Jew. Is David Duke really interested in the whole truth? Or is he scared of a bit of further study and being ridiculed and losing supporters and donors? And we've left out two insignificant parenthetical Remarks, which we don't feel are important, but will be reproduced in the notes to this program. After using dollar signs in place of the letter S in that last sentence where he mentioned supporters and donors, in his second comment, Andy continues and he says, and David Duke might have to admit that he, like millions of other nominal Christians, myself included, fell for two brilliant, cunning, devastating Jew mega-lies that he was mistaken in a historical section of his books. This is a suggestion on the part of 
and Andy Patton at Duke make this admittance in a historical section of his books. And he would direct supporters to an erratum on his website. Now that would be the mark of a truly great Caucasian leader. Andy Patton says that on the condition that that, that David Duke repents and makes the admission he was wrong. And Andy Patton concludes and says, He would suffer short term only. He has the verbal skills to defend this vital revisionism. But has he the moral rectitude and grit? Forty million evangelicals in the U.S. alone would question and probably drop their current Jew devil worship, Judeo-Christianity, and join us in our truth and Caucasian preservation movement. And that would be wishful thinking that David Duke could do that single-handedly. But if David Duke chose to embrace the truth on the matter of Jewish identity, it certainly would be a huge step in the right direction for white nationalists. For all white nationalists, Christian or not. Andy's remarks were certainly well-intentioned, even if we sometimes think he gives Duke too much credit. To this, David Duke himself offered a surprisingly verbose answer, for which reason we are presenting our own critique of that answer here this evening. It's the first verbose answer that we've seen from David Duke on the matter of Christian identity. And that's why we chose to address it here. Because Duke answered in several paragraphs discussing several separate subjects, we will present his answer in portions, along with our own rebuttals to his remarks. First we must note that Duke always uses the title Doctor as a prefix to his name. This is in an informal forum setting, an informal discussion, And we believe that to prefix one's name with such a title every time one makes a reply is awfully pretentious. Over the years, there have been, and still are, a few people who could justly use the title doctor in our own chat rooms and forums at Christagenia. People with real doctorate or juris doctor or doctor of medicine degrees, and they have never done so. We expect them all the more, we, we respect them all the more for that. Since a man should be judged by his words and his character, and not by some title, or past accomplishments in unrelated fields. And for that reason and others, we think Daisy Duke is a psyop, as well as a shill. Here we will begin with his response to Andy Patton, and Dr. David Duke says, I say that sarcastically, Listen, frankly, as long as you, standing up for the survival of our race and in opposition to the Jewish supremacists who have killed tens of millions of us, I will respect you and your beliefs, although I have read and studied at least a hundred books on quote-unquote identity and knew many of the very finest identity preachers and was very close with many of them. But, I am sorry to tell you, I just don't believe it. It offends my historical knowledge, which must be like next to nothing, my genetic knowledge, which is also next to nothing, and my logic, which is very poor. 
When I read the Torah and the Talmud, I see the same Jewish extremist, murderous Jewish character. I really don't want to spend my time or cause hard feelings by telling you my opinions. Well, he had already kind of done that, eh? Now, in response to these vague generalizations, or to some of them, we will only say that there is no extremist, murderous Jewish character in the books of Moses, except perhaps where it describes people whom the figures of the Old Testament had despised, such as Esau the race mixer, or Cain the murderer. The Old Testament describes an agrarian society with laws and strict morals that are absolutely contrary to the nature of the Jews and the Talmud. The Old Testament describes a righteous enmity and a righteous indignation towards the Canaanites, who were the creators of Sodom and Gomorrah, who are the actual forerunners of the Jews and Arabs and other bastards of today. Christian identity has proven the truth of this history many times. As we have seen, even Wikipedia agrees with it, while not considering the historical consequences. David Duke has a very superficial knowledge of scripture and history, and he picks and chooses stories taken out of context, which he can use to suit his own agenda. Duke claims to have read hundreds of books on identity. We would dispute the value of that claim. The majority of identity books are purely religious in nature. Most of the early ones contained a lot of material which was of dubious historical value produced by British Israel writers. And technical and academic books on identity which were non-religious are scarce. But may begin with E. Raymond Catt. And they came along relatively late. Early identity writers did not acquire their beliefs in identity from books on identity, but rather they acquired those beliefs from the classics and archaeology. Then they applied what they had learned from those technical sources to their religious beliefs and wrote books expressing identity truth in religious terms. Sometimes their application was better than others. The entire history proving Christian identity can be expressed in a hundred pages, which is why we only have 13. We have only written 13 brief foundational historical essays at Christogenia. And once one realizes that there is no viable alternative paradigm for the development of culture in Europe, those few pages are all one needs as a guide to the original source material from which they were drawn. As we shall see, Duke would rather use the evolutionary paradigm of the Jews for his view of the development of Europe. And it is contrary to all of the history of our race expressed in the classics, the writings which were treasured and preserved by our own ancestors. Duke continues and says, and we will only mark some of the important typos in the posted version of these notes. Typos are common in such an environment as a forum. I do it all the time myself. Duke continues and he says, Perhaps the only thing I will say is the biblical foundation of the Jewish people, or you might think the white people, the story of Jacob and Rebekah and Esau, 
the story goes that Jacob is supposedly the source of our people. But when you read the story closely and intelligently, which Duke fails to do, it is the most extreme kind of Jewish character I have ever read. Jacob was not the firstborn, and so he and his mother Rebekah schemed to defraud his sick father from giving his blessing to Esau. His dutiful son, who was an outdoorsman and hunter like so many of us, who always served his father loyally. Jacob flat out lies to his father on his deathbed, trying to disguise himself as Esau, responding to the pleas from his father to tell him the truth, but lies and insists he is good Esau. In the end you read that the whole foundation of what is called Jews is based on bald-faced lies and deceit. Is that so, Mr. Duke? Because we're going to see what it's really based on here. So the father, thinking it's Esau, gives Jacob the blessing. And then for some reason, instead of punishing Jacob for the worst of treason and deceit in typical Jewish fashion, he says no on a technicality, typically Talmudic, which meant that Jacob could steal his brother's birthright so he could father the great and wonderful Jewish people. And here more than anywhere, here more than anywhere, we see just how superficial David Duke's alleged scholarship is, and just how poor an interpreter of texts he really is. First, it is clear that Esau sold his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of soup because he despised his birthright. But this is how St. Paul of Tarsus, a learned expert in all things Hebrew, interpreted the story of Jacob and Esau in his epistle to the Hebrews. He labeled Esau as a profane person and a fornicator, which is a race mixer. That's what it means. No true nationalist of any sort should consider a race mixer of any race as good, as David Duke has done here. All nationalists should understand that race mixers forfeit their birthrights by their act of race mixing. But Duke has failed to recognize that here. In Genesis chapter 26, we see that Esau sold his birthright to Jacob at an early time. Ostensibly, if he did not despise it in the first place, he would never have sold it at any price. In Genesis chapter 26, we then see Isaac engaging in activities such as husbandry and well-digging, which are occupations that are not very typical of Jews, but which are rather typical of farmers and ranchers. If Isaac was a Jew, he would have been an accountant and a tax collector. Then at the end of the chapter we read, And Esau was forty years old when he took to wife Judith, the daughter of Beeri the Hittite, and Bashemath, the daughter of Elam the Hittite, which were a grief of mind unto Isaac and to Rebekah. So Esau was not the good, obedient son that David Duke ex- describes him to be, unless David Duke had a son who brought him roast beef and married niggers. But that's not a good son. 
Esau was not the good obedient son David Duke describes him to be, and we see that Esau really did despise his birthright, something that every true nationalist should treasure above all of his worldly possessions. In Genesis chapter 27, we see the account by which Isaac was deceived, as Duke discusses, and Jacob did not want to take part in the deception. Isaac sent Esau to hunt some venison. Esau apparently being skilled at such hunting. And we read where Isaac instructs Esau and says, And it came to pass that when Isaac was old, his eyes were dim so that he could not see. He called Esau his eldest son and said unto him, My son. And he said unto him, Behold, here I am. And he said, Behold now, I am old. I know not the day of my death. Now therefore, I pray thee, Take thy weapons, thy quiver and thy bow, and go out into the field, and take me some venison, and make me savory meat such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. So even though Esau was a race mixer, in spite of the fact that Esau was a race mixer, Isaac seems to have loved his belly rather than admonish his son for his sins. Isaac seems to have been very much like the typical redneck that is doing this same thing all over America today. And certainly not like a Jew. But upon hearing these things, Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau, became immediately alarmed that Esau would receive the blessing of the firstborn, which she obviously did not want him to have because he was a race mixer. So she concocted a scheme by which Jacob would get the blessing. Since in the ancient world men took the words which they spoke very seriously, and it was a shame to retract them. And she said to Jacob, Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Here Jacob did not act the part of the deceiver. Jacob did not play the Jew by purposely acting in treachery to steal his brother's birthright. Rather, Jacob protested, where it says, And Jacob said to his mother Rebekah, Behold, Esau my brother is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father, peradventure, will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me, and not a blessing. Jacob, not wanting to be found deceiving his father, had only relented when his mother reassured him, where we read, And his mother said to him, Upon me be thy curse, my son, only obey my voice and go fetch me them. So here we see the shallow interpretation which David Duke uses to suit his own agenda in ignorance of the character displayed in the actual text of the story of Jacob and Esau. But we can only wonder how many so how many people take the so-called Dr. Duke's imagined expertise for granted, not daring to challenge such a presumed authority? They make themselves twice the dummy that he is. After the deception had occurred, and Jacob received the blessing rather than Esau, 
we see Rebecca explain precisely why she did such a thing to her husband, as we read at the end of the chapter where it says, And Rebecca said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these, which are daughters of the land, all these niggers around here, we cannot have our sons marry one of these niggers, what good shall my life do me? Esau had already taken wives of the Hittites, the daughters of Heth. So Rebekah is revealed to be a noble woman, doing what she thought was necessary in order to preserve her race and her heritage, not wanting the birthright of Abraham to fall to the race-mixing Esau, for whom the so-called Dr. Duke expresses a loving admiration. While Duke calls Isaac's acceptance of Rebekah's action a mere technicality, the opening of the very next chapter, Genesis chapter 27, shows that Isaac did indeed realize that his wife was correct, where immediately after Rebekah's noble words, we read, And Isaac called Jacob, and blessed him, and charged him, and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padanaram, to the house of Bethuel, my mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, my mother's brother. And God Almighty bless thee, and make thee fruitful, and multiply thee, that thou mayest be a multitude of people, and give thee the blessing of Abraham, to thee and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger, which God gave unto Abraham. So at Rebekah's insistence, Isaac finally understood that the race-mixing Esau, whom God later said that he hates, could not inherit the blessing. But Jacob, being the obedient son who married women from his own race, did inherit it. The result was the formation of an originally agrarian society. They had an agrarian calendar. They plowed fields. They husbanded animals. They engaged in the husbandry of animals. And that agrarian society eventually became a notable kingdom. That such a kingdom indeed existed can be proven from ancient histories. Histories which were written by pagans and by archaeological inscriptions which describe it in great detail. This society banned usury among brethren. This society banned things such as pornography, graven images, race mixing, fornication, adultery, and homosexuality, which were all punishable by death, and all of which prohibitions are absolutely contrary to the nature of the Jew, who is historically a usurer, a panderer, a pornographer, a race mixer, and a sodomite. But all of these sins were prevalent in the pagan Canaanite temples of Baal. And in truth, the Jews of today descended from those Canaanites. While we are just getting started here, the bottom line is this. David Duke is a shill for the Jews whose knowledge of scripture and history is highly superficial. 
He's taken his orders from someone. He does not know anything about the Bible. And he has no authority on ancient history. The subject for which he supposedly earned his PhD can be researched without opening a single book which is much more than a few decades old. And he probably got it without opening a book at all, since it is only a repeat of the book he wrote 30 years ago. So just because he claims to be a doctor of history does not necessarily mean that he knows anything substantial about ancient history. Furthermore, History is such an expansive subject that no so-called doctor of history can possibly have an in-depth knowledge in all areas or even in many areas of history. To quote the next passage of David Duke's response to Andy Patton, he says, I will not go on, and he does, and he does. I will not go on. It is disruptive. It is a, I guess he meant to say, it is a disruptive, divisive force in our movement. You can believe whatever you want to believe, but I simply don't believe it. I could go on for hours about how the clear characteristics of these people are not Aryans. I also know enough about European anthropology that the idea that in the last three or four thousand years that Israelites traveled to Europe and became the European peoples is patently absurd. And I could beat the hell out of them on every word there. We have essays at Christagenia which cite not only the Old Testament, but a plethora of ancient classical literature and archaeological sources proving that Europe was settled by people who originated in Anatolia, Mesopotamia, and the Levant. We cannot repeat them all here. But they are posted in writing and in podcasts at Christagenia. And we would challenge David Duke, the presumed doctor of history, to do an academic critical review of them. Until he either proves them to be false, with ancient proofs, ancient citations having equal weight, or until he accepts them, it is he who is the divisive force in our movement. It is common knowledge to the authors, or it was, I should say, common knowledge to the authors of the ancient Greek writings, for instance, that the Romans came from Troy, and that the Trojans themselves were recent immigrants into Troy from the islands of the sea, that the Danans and Dorians, two of the major tribes of the Greeks, had migrated to Greece by sea, that the Phoenicians the sea travelers, the most famous sea travelers, settled many areas of Europe from the Levant, actually from ancient Tyre. And along with the Danans, they even settled Britain and Ireland. Duke's offhand dismissal of all the real history supporting our contentions again shows just how shallow he is, clinging to an agenda and having no care for truth. The truth is even found throughout simple Greek myths, such as Phoenix. Phoenix, a Phoenician of Tyre, was the father of Europa. And the Phoenix symbol itself was said to have originated in the East. Cadmus, the brother of Europa, is the semi-mythical figure who brought arts and letters to Greece. The Malaysians, who were Phoenicians, and the Greeks of Thebes... 
described as having been blonde, were both said to be Phoenicians. And it can be proven from the Bible, history, and archaeology that the original Phoenicians of that era were of the stock of Israel. The ships of Tarshish in the Bible were headed to Spain, where Tartessus, as the Greeks called it, was located. The peninsula was later called Iberia by the Hebrews who settled there long before there were any people called by the name of Jews. Those same arts and letters were brought to Europe by the Phoenicians and are still used by Europeans everywhere to this very day. You telling me white men couldn't invent an alphabet? Maybe the niggers are right. We could have got it from niggers. I mean, what the hell? The Phoenicians were white men. That's the truth. They're not only white men. They're the ancestors of most Europeans. In part. Not in whole. In part. Duke has played an incredible ignorance. Duke has displayed, I'm sorry, an incredible ignorance of ancient history. Of ancient Aryan history. And he spreads that ignorance to all of his followers and sycophants like Andrew Anglin. Here, as we shall demonstrate, David Duke admits that his worldview, he admits his acceptance of a worldview founded in Jewish pseudoscience, where he continues, and he says that genetics absolutely proves that ancient remains of Europeans all over Europe are genetically identical to modern European Scandinavians, Nordic, Alpines who lived there tens of thousands of years before the Bible was ever written. Wow, are we going to shove these words down his throat? So the whole story is with no historical merit. That's my, meaning Duke, that's my opinion based on overwhelming scientific and genetic evidence. Our ancestors, for instance, actually even traveled from ancestral Europe to North America about 30,000 years ago. By the way, there has been a lot of remains of ancient Hebrew people, and their genetics are absolutely not ours. Alien from ours, and very, very similar to modern Jews. Well, let me address that last part first. The Jews have been basically that they have commanded and in a very authoritarian authoritarian way and, and anybody who picks up a, a copy of Biblical Archaeology Review or Near Eastern Archaeology or any academic archaeological journal written in the last 30 years, 40 years, can see this. The Jews have handled archaeology in Israel and even greater Palestine in a very authoritarian way and have only allowed their own scholars to assess any archaeological data that comes out of the ground, especially bodies. And they won't allow any archaeologist to just dig up a body. They use their religion as an excuse for that. 
And when bodies are located, when Aryan bodies are located, and this is going on for a long, long time, the Jews identify or purposely misidentify those Aryan bodies as Canaanite. And when the data on a body which has been located agrees that that it's a a Canaanite body, the Jews identify it as a Jew, as an Israelite. The Jews interpret all the archaeology in Palestine. And we could never get a fair shake at it until we get rid of the Jews. As for all of Duke's contention about DNA, I'm going to tell you right up front, he's full of shit. And I'm going to prove it. I'm going to pr- I have citations here. I have sources here to prove it. At the ancient DNA page of the International Society of Genetic Genealogy wiki page, wiki site, there's links that will be posted in the notes of this program. At this ancient DNA page, there is a listing of such DNA discoveries. And the oldest DNA discovered in Europe was found in two 24,000 year old, according to them, right? Not, I'm not necessarily agreeing with this, but it's fine. The oldest DNA in, discovered in Europe was found in two 24,000 year old Cro-Magnons, which were discovered in the Puglici cave in southern Italy. Oddly, because if you find two Cro-Magnons 24,000 years old in the bottom of a cave, you, you might think that they're the same haplotype and the same haplogroup, right? You might think they have similar DNA, right? Well, well, nothing can be further from the truth, according to the scientists. Oddly, they are said to be of two different haplogroups. The first is listed as being of haplogroup HV, which predominates among the modern Arab peoples of Egypt. North Africa, West Asia, and Southern Europe. If this is true, it is also consistent with Christian identity teaching, which asserts that the aboriginal ancestors of these Arab and related peoples were here on this planet long before the beginnings of our own white race. The Bible identifies them by names such as fallen angels, Kenites, Rephaim, Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Perizzites, and others. The second Cro-Magnon, Cro-Magnon, is said to be of haplogroup N. Now, it is claimed in popular sources today that all mitochondrial DNA haplogroups outside of Africa are descended from this haplogroup N, or from the apparently related haplogroup M. However, that claim is only a theory concocted to support the larger theory of the out-of-Africa account of human origins, and it cannot ever be proven. It is argued as to whether haplogroup N originated in East Africa or in Asia, but there is no significant distribution of subclades of haplogroup N among any white Europeans. However, there is a significant distribution of such subclades in Arabs, Asians, and other non-whites. This, too, is entirely consistent with Christian identity teachings. The only way that David Duke can claim that these Cro-Magnons with the DNA of non-whites 
or the ancestors of modern white Europeans is if he has accepted evolutionary theory and the very Jewish idea that all races evolve from a common ancestry. And if he really believes that, then race actually means nothing to him at all. We can love and admire all of the world's Esau's because race mixing can be fixed by further evolution. That is the moral bankruptcy which underlies David Duke's assertions. A discovery which is perhaps a little too recent to be listed at the International Society of the Genetic, of Genetic Genealogy was published in February of 2016 by the American Association for the Advancement of Science at its Eureka Alert website, which calls itself the Global Source for Science News. The, discovery, the description of this discovery was published in an article titled DNA Evidence Uncovers Major Upheaval in Europe Near End of Last Ice Age. And it says in following, the part, in, in part, we're only going to read part of the article, it says the following. DNA evidence lifted from the ancient bones and teeth of people who lived in Europe, from the late Pleistocene to the early Holocene. Spanning almost 30,000 years of European prehistory, this is the same period David Duke talks about, has offered some surprises. According to researchers who report their findings in the Cell Press journal Current Biology on February 4, 2016, perhaps most notably, the evidence shows a major shift in the population around 14,500 years ago during a period of severe climatic instability. And they go on to say, We uncovered a completely unknown chapter of human history. A major population turnover in Europe at the end of the last ice age, says leading author Johann Krauss of the Max Planck Institute for the Science of Human History in Germany. The researchers pieced this missing history together by reconstructing the mitochondrial genomes of 35 hunter-gatherer individuals who lived in Italy, Germany, Belgium, France, the Czech Republic, and Romania from 35,000 to 7,000 years ago. Mitochondria are organelles within cells that carry their own DNA and can be used to infer patterns of maternal ancestry. And they go on to say that there has been a real lack of genetic data from this time period. Consequently, we know very little about the population structure or dynamics of the first modern humans in Europe. The new data show that the mitochondrial DNA of three individuals who lived in the present-day Belgium and France before the coldest period in the last ice age, the last glacial maximum, belong to haplogroup M. This is remarkable because the M haplogroup is effectively absent in modern Europeans but is extremely common in modern Asian, Australasian, and Native American populations. The M haplogroup. And notice that 
these geneticists did not make the claim that modern European DNA somehow descended from haplogroup M. They did not make that claim. They also say that the end of the last ice age, 7,000 years ago, is the most recent of this type of specimen, this type of hunter-gatherer. Well, 7,000 years puts us right into the beginning of what we would consider biblical history. So this absolutely fits. It perfectly fits Christian identity teaching concerning the populating of Europe. When this population turned over. So we see that David Duke, the presumed expert, is dead wrong about European prehistory. If we really want to believe the reports of the genetic scientists, and Europe has not had a homogenous white population for the last 7,000 years, never mind the past 30,000, as David Duke so ignorantly claims. But these reports do not conflict with the historical narrative maintained by identity Christians. Duke may protest all he wants, but Pleistocene hibernators are not our forefathers. Going back to the ancient DNA page, the next significant sample of ancient DNA found in Europe is the discovery of the remains of a cadaver called Atzi, the Iceman of Italy. Since he was preserved for centuries in the ice of the Italian Alps, Atzi is believed, or maybe I should say Oitzi or Otzi, it has an umlaut over the original, and, and I'm horrible at umlauts, I'm sorry. Atzi is believed by scientists to have lived between 3350 and 3300 B.C., in the so-called Copper Age. He is believed to be about 46 years old when he died at the top of a mountain pass from wounds received. And the nature of the wounds indicate that he was not alone, but he was killed by others. This is right around the same time in which our own chronology places the event which we know as the Flood of Noah. But we are certain that Atsi and his people were not too badly affected by that event because it didn't cover the entire globe or, if you're a flat earther, the entire pancake. Identity Christians have long held that there were other races of people here on earth prior to the time when what we call the Adamic or white race had come into its current existence. So remains of Cro-Magnons and people such as Atsi the Iceman do not startle us or disturb our beliefs. In fact, our beliefs insist that there were people here before the Adamic race, the white race. And in fact, these discoveries always seem to support what we believe. We also believe that the Jews and modern Arabs descended in part from these aboriginal races, which had mixed with the Canaanites and Edomites and others, and that is why they are an accursed people. 
simply because there were people in Europe before the rise of white civilization does not make them our ancestors, even if there is a possibility that some of them may be the ancestors of some Europeans, they are not the ancestors of most modern white Europeans. Predecessors in an area are not necessarily ancestors, which is the childish way in which Jewish pseudoscience looks at the world. And David Duke follows. And he doesn't even get that right. The genetic evidence refutes David Duke. Otzi the Iceman was remarkably preserved because he died high in the Italian Alps, where ice and snow abound year-round, so his DNA was very well preserved. His mitochondrial haplogroup is K, and his Y-DNA haplogroup is G. Neither of these haplogroups belong to a preponderance of true white Europeans. Haplogroup G preponderates in Africa among the Turks of Anatolia, whom we would assert are heavily mixed with Arab blood, and also among groups such as the Moroccan Jews, 30% of them, the Azerbaijani Jews, 16% of them, Armenian Jews, 21%, and Israeli Jews, nearly 10%. While only slightly more than 1% of Norwegian, Swedes, and Danes are estimated to be of this haplogroup, and perhaps 4% of Germans, and a slightly smaller percentage in the United Kingdom. The number grows only as you get into countries that have a higher historical frequency of Jewish and Arab admixture. But regardless of this, we would admit that it is inconclusive from which race haplogroup G actually originates we would concede the idea that perhaps it originated with whites. Otzi's mitochondrial DNA is from haplogroup K. This is found in only 10% of native Europeans, and in most European countries the figure is closer to 5%. Of course, the geneticists never relate the true ancestry or religion of those whom they call Native Europeans. But quite significantly, 32% of Ashkenazi Jews are of this mitochondrial haplogroup K, which is an astonishingly high figure. The haplogroup is found in high numbers among the Druze of the Middle East, who we would say are also related to the Jews, 17%, and the Kurds of the Caucasus Mountains, who we would say are also related to the Jews and the Arabs, 17%, while it is found in frequencies almost as high in some small areas of Western Europe, in France, Belgium, Norway, and Bulgaria, it is also found at nearly as high a rate in the countries of the Middle East. Because the people who became known as Jews and Arabs, intermixed with whites in the Levant and elsewhere in ancient times, it cannot be certain where the haplogroup originated with the available data, despite its high frequency amongst Ashkenazi Jews. So, Atsi's DNA... where both 
of his haplotypes, paternal or haplogroups, paternal and maternal, preponderate amongst Jews and Arabs, can by no means be claimed to represent the ancestry of modern Europeans. And in fact, it shows the possibility of an early connection of people in Europe to people in the Middle East. More importantly, the DNA of the Cro-Magnons, or to some people in the Middle East, I, I should say, more importantly, the DNA of the Cro-Magnons of Italy cannot be said to represent the ancestry of modern Europeans. Neither can the 35 Pleistocene and Holocene hunter-gatherers who lived in Italy, Germany, Belgium, France, the Czech Republic, and Romania from 35,000 to perhaps 7,000 years ago. Neither can that be said to represent the ancestors of modern Europeans. However, in any case, the only ancient DNA found in Europe supports the Christian identity narrative more closely than any other theories of the origination of white Europeans. Most other DNA discoveries belong to the Bronze Age and later, and they are apparently of a nature much more similar to many modern Europeans. But identity Christians understand that by the time of the Bronze Age, our ancestors had already been migrating into Europe from the Levant and Mesopotamia. DNA evidence from all of those areas supports our assertions concerning those migrations. So the real DNA evidence which David Dukes claims to support his view of history actually refutes David Duke and in our estimation it even makes him to be a liar. Things would be different if Atsi and the Cro-Magnons and the Pleistocene hunter-gatherers all had the same DNA as a large section of modern Europeans. But the Cro-Magnons have DNA of approximately zero native Europeans. The Pleistocene hunter-gatherers had the DNA of zero native Europeans. The Cro-Magnons and the Pleistocene hunter-gatherers do not even have DNA in common with one another. And while Atsi comes close, he does not really fare much better. Although if he were related to us, we would not be disturbed by that, as 3500 BC is well within the bounds of our chronology for our race. People frequently have the habits of moving, wandering off, and exploring for land and resources. And we see that manifest throughout history. But here we want to explore another aspect of Duke's statement where he said next, and, and where, where he also said, and we repeat him in part, I'm sorry, we're repeating a small part of this, he, he said, genetics absolutely proves that ancient remains of Europeans all over Europe are genetically identical to modern European Scandinavians, Nordic Alpines who lived there tens of thousands of years before the Bible was ever even written. <laughs> While all of this has already been soundly refuted here. We will discuss it from another aspect. But first, 
Most climatological or geological sources assert that up to 12,000 years ago, Central and Northern Europe was under glaciers. Later, literary sources such as Herodotus inform us that Europe north of the Danube was virtually uninhabitable in their own time, which is 2,500 years ago, on account of the cold. Strabo and Diodorus Siculus agree in their own writings, not quite 2,100 years ago. Over this time, the Germanic tribes were described as Scythians, Cimmerians, Galatahi, and Sacae, or Sacans, or Saxons, who were migrating from the Caucasus, the Black Sea, and Asia Minor, down the Danube River Valley into Central and Western Europe. There is a plethora of evidence from both ancient literature and archaeological sources dating back to the 8th century BC in the Essays at Christogenia which supports this narrative. To support a large population in drastically frigid conditions requires a large infrastructure. There have been ignorant people who have pointed out to us the example of the Eskimos. The Eskimo population has always been very sparse because in a frigid climate, available resources are very sparse. Even today, with a modicum of help from outside, the total Eskimo populations of Siberia, Alaska, and northern Canada, all of which represent a huge swath of land, are only about 150,000. That's it. 150,000 snow gooks in all that land. So the Eskimos are not an example of how a people can thrive and multiply in a frigid climate. There is no such example until the infrastructure and logistics technology of recent times. David Duke and many of his white nationalist followers would perhaps believe that Europeans crawled out of the ice and snow 30,000 years ago and sat there and had plenty of food and warmth to resist an absolutely frigid climate for tens of thousands of years, where they worshipped the sun, but they were too stupid to migrate south in order to get more of it. In the meantime, they seem not to have invented anything durable, and not to have built for themselves anything of substance, which would make their lives more comfortable in the frigid Arctic cold. Then, once Christianity came along, it is inevitable that they suddenly got soft and started needing clothes to wear and buildings to dwell in. This is evident because there is not one shred of archaeological evidence that there was ever an infrastructure or a supply chain, a logistics chain, suggesting the presence of large populations dwelling in permanent settlements in Europe north of the Danube for any significant period in prehistoric times. There are only findings of temporary settlements, stone tools, and other artifacts which could have belonged to transient explorers or 
hunter-gatherers of any race, people just like those Pleistocene hiberniggers with their M, with, with their Native American DNA, or their chink DNA. The Greeks wrote of their settlements around the Black Sea and along the Danube, and never encountered any opposition to their encroachment on Europe to the north or west until the appearance of the Galatahi in the 5th century BC, with the exception of the rival Phoenicians, who were in the extreme, in the extreme west and North Africa. The Roman historian Livy wrote in that very wrote that in the very late fifth century BC, the Celts, as they invaded the land of the Etruscans, were a people who were new to the Romans, previously unknown. Although the Romans had already been in Italy for centuries, and the Romans were very familiar with people such as the Etruscans and the Ligurians of the Alps, and the Greek and Phoenician, or Proto-Celtic, settlements in modern-day France, and with the Phoenicians of the West. The Romans were familiar with all those people, but when the Gauls, or Galatahi, invaded the lands of the Etruscans and later invaded Rome in 390 BC, Livy described them as a strange new people. Therefore, the Celts in the north of Italy must have been rather recent arrivals, and the history of the East and the writings of the Greeks prove that they were. The Romans should have known the Celts if they had been there long, since they were always exploring the north in search of gold or salt, or other precious minerals. A study of the Latane and the Hallstatt cultures are entirely consistent with the Christian identity view of European history. But there is another much more important and much more fundamental error that David Duke makes when he discusses genetics, the expert, the expert clown, which concerns the Middle East and the Jews. He takes it for granted just like the Jews do, that the population of the Levant in modern times is representative of the historical population. And once again, nothing could be further from the truth. While we have already refuted the idea from a historical perspective on numerous occasions, here we shall refute it by citing a published scientific article on the subject of genetics in the Levant. There is an article titled, Genome-Wide Diversity in the Levant Reveals Recent Structuring by Culture. In other words, the authors are saying that the people living in the Levant now are not the people who lived in the Levant centuries ago. This is from the genetics section of the Public Library of Science. The article is accredited to several people, M. Haber, D. Gogier, or Gogier, I can't pronounce French, I'm sorry, I could hardly pronounce English, S. Yuhana, N. Patterson, P. Morjani, et al., some of the authors are white and some of them are apparently not. And this article was published in 2013. We also have a story of a, a copy of this article stored 
in our files at Christagenia, the appropriate links will be supplied in the notes. While we do not require articles such as this to prove our position at Christagenia on the history of the Levant (coughs) or the Middle and Near East, this particular article does help to show that our thesis has academic support even in the field of genetics. David Duke likes to claim a knowledge as genetics as the basis for his refutation of Christian identity. And we are in the midst of showing that he is wrong in every aspect of his claims. We are not going to read the highly technical article. However, we will read the author's own summary of the article, which is found in the published report as it describes our interest and demonstrates our case. So the authors themselves have written, in rather technical language, that population stratification caused by non-random mating between groups of the same species, it's often, it's, they're describing the creation of many types within a population because of race mixing. That's what they're describing. Populations, and they, they refuse to admit that it's race mixing, right? They just say it's between different groups. Population stratification caused by non-random mating between groups of the same species is often due to geographical distances leading to a physical separation followed by genetic drift of allele frequencies in each group. In humans, population structures are also often driven by geographical barriers or distances. However, humans might also be structured by abstract factors such as culture, a consequence of their reasoning and self-awareness. Religion, in particular, is one of the unusual conceptual factors that can drive human population structures. This study explores the Levant, a region flanked by the Middle East and Europe, where individual and population relationships are still strongly influenced by religion. We show that religious affiliation had a strong impact on the genomes of the Levantines, the people of the Levant. In particular, conversion of the region's populations to Islam appears to have introduced major rearrangements in population's relations through admixture with culturally similar but geographically remote populations, leading to genetic similarities between remarkably distant populations like Jordanians, Moroccans, and Yemenis. Conversely, other populations like Christians and Druze became genetically isolated in the new cultural environment. We reconstruct, now here's the point we're getting to. We reconstructed the genetic structure of the Levantines and found that a pre-Islamic expansion Levant, meaning Palestine and Syria and Jordan and parts of eastern Turkey, that's the Levant, historically, parts of western Iraq included, before 
the Muslim expansion before the start of the 7th century BC, we reconstructed the genetic structure of the Levantines and found that a pre-Islamic expansion Levant was more genetically similar to Europeans than to Middle Easterners. So here are genetic scientists who are saying that 1400 years ago, Jordan, Syria, Eastern Turkey, Western Iraq, Palestine, Lebanon, were all more genetically similar to Europeans than to Middle Easterners. And this is a recently published study. It is our opinion that traditionally, genetic scientists do not really know much of what they are talking about in these areas since, just like David Duke, they too often assume that current populations represent ancient populations, and usually ignore or do not even seek to understand the historically recorded migrations or invasions and resulting admixtures of the various peoples in ancient times. But at least here, these genetic scientists finally admit that the Islamic conquest of the Levant changed the population significantly, introducing a high degree of African and South Arabian admixture, and that the original originally the population of the Levant was genetically similar to that of European populations. Imagine that. David Duke's a fool. What must be added are the facts that most of the true Levantine population had been mixed white with Canaanite over the several centuries before the Islamic conquest. Since the Hellenistic period brought a sort of egalitarianism to the region, and that European whites descend mostly from whites who passed through the region from around 3500 BC down to about 500 BC. But ultimately, the last of the Germanic tribes did not arrive in their present homes in Europe from Asia until nearly 500 AD. Furthermore, The characteristics of many southern Europeans have also changed with the ongoing Islamic conquests in those areas, beginning in the 7th century AD, where significant genetic admixtures have been introduced by both Arabs and Turks. From the evidence we have presented, both history and genetics help to support all of the contentions of identity Christians. So we must understand that David Duke is truly ignorant of the ancient history of the Middle East, and genetic science does not support his ignorance as he so often claims that it does. David Duke can believe what he wants, but his belief is a blind religion, and it is not founded in facts. It is apparent that he does not even know the facts, but has only pieced together his own superficial understanding based mainly upon a blind acceptance of Jewish pseudoscience. However, his agreement with the assertions of the Jews over their identity in the Old Testament operates in a manner which is clearly contrary to the interest of whites. He claims to be a historian 
and he is only a clown, being a denier of the history which is clearly documented in so many ancient sources. So here Duke dismisses Christian Identity and Andy Patton, where we read the next paragraph of his reply. And he says, in a plethora of broken thoughts, So you believe what you want. And wouldn't say, say, he repeated it twice, a word he's probably saying, and I wouldn't say a word, about identity, except for the fact that some people, such as yourself, try to denigrate me as not being open-minded on the subject. I wouldn't denigrate him as not being open-minded. I would denigrate him as just being full of shit. Try to denigrate me as not being open-minded on a subject, or educated on a subject, or smart to understand your revealed truth. And he says, I resent that accusation. And I have never stood up, or even on my radio program, said a word negative about your beliefs. And that's simply a lie, because every time he opens his mouth and associates Yahweh, the God of Israel, and the Old Testament with the Jews, he is saying negative words about our beliefs. And then he goes on to say again, I have known and been friends with the top men of your beliefs, such as Bertrand C., that's all he says, and my good, good friend of the late pastor in Wyoming who died not too long ago. And we'll stop a few lines short of the end. Now maybe we can excuse the fragmented diction and attribute it to Duke's being tired, as he himself states a little further on. Maybe we can understand that he abbreviated Bertrand Compare's last name for that same reason. But why could he not name Pete Peters if Pete Peters was his good, good friend? And Duke seems only to recall his friendship with these men so that he could claim some sort of academic superiority over them. He does not want to argue, but he nevertheless wants to assert control of the nationalist intellectual paradigm and marginalize identity Christians. He seems to be saying something like, Oh, I do compare, and he was nothing special. He was only a dummy just like you. This is what he seems to intend, even though he is not crude enough to put it that way. But we are not going to be dummies just like him. Continuing with Duke, he says, I think it easier for Christians to focus on the New Testament and preach that the Jews betrayed God, crucified Christians, and did all kinds of iniquity and evil. And here Duke embraces just what Judeo-Christianity teaches. Just what Christianity in bed with the Jews teaches. That's what they teach. Because it makes the Jew comfortable and allows them to continue with their deception. The Jews can then also justify their persecution of Christians as an outlaw sect, which is exactly how they presented it to the Romans. Duke's understanding of the New Testament is just as superficial as his understanding of the story of Jacob and Esau. Any real Bible scholar or anyone who sincerely investigates the New Testament would quickly realize that its entire context is wholly reliant upon the Old Testament. The apostles and the writers of the Gospels 
cite passages from the Law and the Prophets quite consistently, in reference not only to Christ, but to the purpose of the New Testament and the objectives of God for His true people, while they also reject the idea that the Jews are His people. Those same apostles cite historical episodes in the Old Testament as being relevant to and inclusive of the people in Europe to whom they were bringing their message in the New Testament. So we are not going to ignore the entire Old Testament as well as a great deal of the New Testament for David Duke's sake. He will have to come to terms with us or be constantly confronted by us. Again, continuing with Duke, who is still on the same subject. Or if someone is a pagan or a non-believer, those who fight for our people are my brothers. And even though you are quite denigrative of me, he could spell denigrative, but he couldn't spell Pete Peters, as long as you fight against Jewish tyrants. But this is a racial fight. If you have particular, a particular religious belief, fine. But this is not a place to be an evangelist for your particular beliefs. Wow. David Duke and the Daily Stormer constantly evangelize their own beliefs that the Jews are the ancient Hebrews and Israelites, things which identity Christians take offense at. The Daily Stormer has a forum, ostensibly for discussion. And Duke says, this is not a place for that discussion. So evidently, any other discussion is okay, except Christian identity, because it is contrary to David Duke's beliefs. Andy Patton was not evangelizing for his beliefs. Even Adolf Hitler believed that Jesus was an Aryan, based on his character alone, and without any actual knowledge of identity. Rather, Patton was only trying to get Duke to look into Jewish identity, which does not originate in ancient Israel or even in Judah. Duke is purposely conceding the Old Testament to the Jews, and therefore he is cutting off any chance to correct the historical record and persuade Judeo-Christians not to worship Jews. Continuing with Duke, There's a little more left here than I thought a few minutes ago. Continuing with Duke, he says, You don't see any long tirades from me, so give me and give us all a break and spend your time exposing and defeating the Jews rather than semantic arguments that Jews were not called Jews till relatively, till relatively, I'm sorry, recent days. But the Hebrews were around for a long time. So I am not interested in whether the Jews or counterfeit Jews or that we are real Jews. Some identity guys in South Africa actually study and speak Hebrew and grow Jewish earlocks. Now, now, we know that a lot of identity Christians have been taken away in Jewish ideas over the years, but that is mainly because many sects of early Christian identity were influenced and diverted by Jews. That does not mean that identity is somehow not true. Likewise, an entire sector of white nationalists 
have also been taken captive by Jews. They had purple hair and spikes through their faces. But on the other hand, Duke proved to us that he was a shell when he came out in support of Mike Enoch, which is another story entirely. Where Duke complains about semantic arguments that Jews were not called Jews till relatively recent days, something which is oversimplified but sort of true, he defeats his own purpose as well. How long must a Turk inhabit Greece before he must be called a Greek and not a Turk in Greece? How long must a Mexican inhabit Colorado before he must be called an American and not a Mexican in America? How long must a Somalian remain in Berlin before we must accept him as a German? So it is with Jews who should never be considered Israelites any more than Somalians should be called Germans, and both errors lead to similarly horrible consequences. Duke is a hypocrite. And this brings us back to our point. We do not care if Duke does not accept the Israel identity side of our Christian identity argument. We understand that at the least, it takes many months of study in scripture and history to come to the correct conclusion. And evidently, Duke would rather spend that time in the mirror, or posing with his little doggy in a bag. But in a mere couple of hours, not much more than the time it takes to prepare for a few Facebook selfies, one can come to the real to the realization that Jews are not Israelites or Hebrews. One need only read the Wikipedia article on Edom, as we have already presented here, and trust that it represents the accounts of Strabo and Josephus accurately in relation to the Edomites. It comes close. Once one realizes that the Edomites were all converted to Judaism, and it is they who were opposed to Christ, then one must realize that today's Jews are not Israelites any more than the blacks in Washington, New York, or Atlanta represent the founding Americans, or any more than the Arab hordes in Paris represent the French. Until Duke realizes that the Jews are not who they say they are, we cannot have peace on his terms, because he is giving millions of Christians a license to worship the Jews as the recipients of the promises of Abraham. Duke cannot fix one problem without recognizing the other. He is like a fool bailing water out of a rapidly sinking boat, and all those who follow him will ultimately be eaten by sharks. Again, continuing with Duke, he gives us an excuse why he is too tired to continue his refutation. Where he says, that's it. Maybe because I am just tired that I even dived in this, or into this. Just quite a bit tired after a long day of work for our race. Wow. This is just another self-flattering, self-promoting statement made by the so-called doctor, which we would think is comical if it were not so damned patronizing and pathetic. So Duke continues with a plea. 
in further fractured typing. And he says, please lighten up. Believe what you want about the things you want to believe. But let spending our time arguing about things that don't bring us closer to victory. If your God is white racialist Old Testament Hebrew but really white, he sure didn't raise a finger to save all the beautiful little blonde girls raped and tortured and murdered by the Jews and Soviets. I would like to believe in an afterlife. It is normal for Europeans if you look at our histories. But if you want to know how to fight for our racial survival, it will be fought in spiritual ways that I don't find in the Torah or Talmud. And to this we can only say that Perhaps Yahweh, the God of Israel, didn't save all those beautiful little blonde girls raped and tortured and murdered by the Jews and Soviets because he was saving it for Thor, the cross-dresser, and Odin, the pedophile. How about that? Where were Thor, the cross-dresser, and Odin, the pedophile? Where were they when all those blonde girls were being murdered by Jews and Soviets? There's a much deeper spiritual purpose to what's going on today. Duke's never going to reach it until he wakes the hell up, but he's probably never going to wake the hell up because he's too busy with safe, with, with Facebook selfies and coiffing his hair. And he then signs off politely and he says, thanks, Dr. Duke. Excuse the typos. No proofing tonight. No proofing tonight. It's too late. I'm sure he really worked up a sweat working for being the savior of our race. Wow, that's pathetic. And Duke again perverts the point which Andy was trying to make. That Jews are not the people of the Old Testament. Duke obviously won't even consider the evidence and that alone reveals that he has some greater agenda. We have said it before and we will say it again. So long as evangelical Christians think that the Jews are the legitimate offspring of Abraham, They will recall Genesis chapter 12 verse 3 where God speaks to Abraham and says I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curses thee and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. With this the evangelical Christian will never curse the Jews but only seek to bless them so that they themselves can be blessed. On the other hand, Christ said to the Jews, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that has told you the truth. And Duke follows after them. Hitler was right, and Duke is dead wrong. Jesus was not a Jew, and we are not going to settle for a lie. We can explain from history exactly how the Jews are not the true children of Abraham, as Christ had attested. But Duke would rather listen to the Jews. So with this, we can only exhort all of our listeners, all those who hear this podcast, to reject David Duke and the Daily Stormer for as long as they reject us. Lately, At least once a month, the Daily Stormer publishes an article mocking the name of Yahweh our God and associating it with the Jews. They should all be treated like Jews, since in reality, doing they are doing the bidding of the Jews. How do they deserve the support of identity Christians? Why would you support those people who despise you? Should you feed the enemies of Christ? They are only using you 
And at the drop of a hat, they would walk right over both you and Yahshua Christ in favor of their own carnal agendas. Especially since it's David Duke who's saving white people. I'm sure that he would have led a pack of little white doggies against the Soviets and Jews in the Bolshevik Revolution. This morning, a young man on Facebook posted a question which asked, Is Christian identity the true Orthodox Church? Here is my response. Orthodoxy, to me, is associated with the imperially forced conformance of Christianity to Roman paganism. Christian identity is the revival of the original apostolic Christianity which was persecuted out of existence in the first and second centuries. Christianity is, Christian identity is Acts chapter 26 verses 6 and 7 Christianity where Paul said that the hope which he fought for was the hope of our twelve tribes which the Jews oppose. The twelve tribes aren't the Jews. And the Jews oppose the hope of the twelve tribes. David Duke is too stupid to understand or to read Acts chapter 26 and understand that the Jews are not the twelve tribes and the twelve tribes are not the Jews. Christian identity is the Elijah ministry, the only legitimate Christ-sanctioned ministry for the last days. The commission from God to call our people to awakening belongs to identity Christians and neither to Duke nor to the Daily Stormer. We will successfully pass it on to the next generation of our race and soon all of the liars and the crypto bastards and the clowns will go into perdition. Thank you for listening. Praise Yahweh, the God of Israel, and good night.